Today's sponsor is Headspace. You slept every night of your life, so you should be pretty good at it by now, right? Unfortunately, many of us don't get the quality sleep that we need and could use a little bit of help, and that's where Headspace has got you covered. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And while they have meditations devoted to helping you reduce stress and increase your overall sense of well-being, they have an entire library of sleep stories, sleep music, and other sleep sounds that can help you get the quality sleep you desperately need. And for busy lifestyles, they have what's called wind downs. It's meditations and breathing exercises that are as short as three minutes so they can fit into anybody's schedule. I personally use Headspace myself. I've tried out some of the sleep stuff. It actually works. Like to me, it actually makes a difference. So Headspace, it's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews. That's a lot. And over 60 million downloads. Try it today for free and start sleeping soundly. So right now, our listeners get 30% off Headspace's entire library of meditations. Just go to headspace.com slash sleep pod for 30% off your subscription, but only until May 12th. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash sleep pod today. Woo! All right, we're about a month away, a little over a month away from the publication of my brand new book, Superfans. And like with a lot of things I do, I love to kind of take you behind the scenes and also bring on experts on SPI to show you who I'm learning from about certain things. So next week, you're gonna hear from my book coach, Azul Tarones, and how he helped me through writing Will It Fly and how I've applied those things to superfans, how to know what to write your book about, how it sort of gets involved in your business and it's not just like a book that stands alone. But that's for next week. This week, on today's episode, you're gonna hear from Dave Chesson from kindlepreneur.com. That's right, Kindlepreneur. This is his job, to teach people how to use Amazon and publish books on Kindle and get it in front of more people. And we're gonna talk about so many amazing strategies today. So whether or not you are writing a book, you have a book, or you are just still contemplating whether or not you wanna even go down that route, this is gonna be really interesting because you're gonna see the amazing opportunities that you have in front of you using the giant search engine called Amazon. So we're gonna talk about keywords today. We're gonna talk about reviews. We're gonna talk about your Amazon sales page. We're gonna talk about uh, strategies just all in, uh, in around launching and how to get in front of the most people, how the algorithm works. Just every, anything and everything. And really, this is a very selfish episode, too, because I learned from Dave during this conversation, and I specifically asked him questions that would help me, knowing it's going to also help you. That's the kind of beauty of the situation here. And as Superfans will be coming out very soon, you're going to see a lot of what we're going to talk about today applied to the Amazon sales page and a lot of our strategies as well. So by the way, if you haven't checked out Superfans yet, if you go to smartpassiveincome.com slash superfans and pre-order the book before August 13th, you're gonna get access to the audiobook for free as well as some other bonuses and uh, that page will just show you all the instructions on how to redeem that. So smartpassiveincome.com slash superfans. Thank you to everybody who has helped support it so far. It comes out in a little over a month. But right now, let's dive into this conversation with Dave right after the intro music. Here we go. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, skydiving is not on his bucket list, Pat Flynn. All right, and welcome to session 378 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. My name is Pat Flynn, here to help you make more money, save more time, and help more people too. And to help us do all those things, today we have Dave Chesson from Kindlepreneur.com. I already told you what we're gonna talk about, so let's not wait any longer. Here he is, Dave Chesson, the man. Here we go. Dave, welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely, Pat. It's really good to be here. Dude, I'm stoked you're here. Kindlepreneur.com, that's your jam. What is Kindlepreneur.com? What can we expect there? Well, it's a website that's devoted to teaching authors how to sell their books and how to market them. And uh, how did you even get started with, with this? I mean, you've been doing this for a while, I know, because we've been chatting for a very long time. When did this all begin for you? You know, a couple of years ago, uh, the mili- I was in the military and they sent me all the way to Korea without my family. And my wife and I had this kind of conversation about what is it that we wanted to do with our lives. And, you know, I didn't have dreams of being an admiral, but I had always wanted to be a writer. The problem is, is that I've always been afflicted with uh, a form of dyslexia. So I've always been really timid about my writing in front of people and just having people see what I do. So it was a really a hard thing for me uh, to grasp. And I decided that instead of just sitting down and kind of writing anything I wanted, I wanted to analyze like what would be the best way to serve the market that already exists. 
you know, like understanding what it is people want and then finding that and being able to answer their questions. And so it really got me into understanding the Amazon marketplace, why Amazon chooses to show some books over others, and, you know, some of the things that authors can do to really give their books the best chance. And from all of that knowledge collected, I kind of put it together and created Kindlepreneur.com. Tell me a little bit more about dyslexia, because I know there's a lot of people who are listening who may have it or have kids and often see it as a crutch and, and something that's kind of not really helping them with pursuing their dreams. How, how do you feel dyslexia was actually used to your advantage? Well, you know, to tell you the truth, I actually was fearful of it. Uh, it was kind of brought up uh, w- within my family that, you know, it's well, let's just not make that that evident, uh, you know, out there. And so I kind of learned to do things and, and not really realize that I had it. But in the deep down in my heart, I was always afraid. If you ever watch me write, mine's in hand-eye coordination, by the way. And if you ever watch me write, it's like nails on a chalkboard. It, it makes doctors look like wonderful, you know, artists. Mm-hmm. And um, But I would actually shy away from anything writing. As a matter of fact, I even went to go become a major in physics just because I was like, that's as far away from writing as I can go. <laughs> so one thing I would say is, is that, you know, if, if, if you or your child ever has something like that, I, I think embracing it and giving them strength will help them to find what they're really good at. I spent so many years running away from it. And I don't know, I could have been a much better writer if I had just kind of embraced it and, you know, faced it head on. You know, I know a lot of other entrepreneurs who grew up with dyslexia who are incredibly successful now and have told told me stories about how it was those challenges that they faced when they were growing up, similar to what you're talking about, that actually made them stronger, uh, more courageous entrepreneurs now. And, and I feel that in you as well. And talk about some of the books that you've sort of been involved with that you've written. You know, you had this dream and and and, and thank you for your service, by the way. Uh, how did you get started with with writing your own stuff. And then I'd love to eventually transition into like everything that you know about Amazon and how we could, you know, best utilize that platform, which is your, your special sauce. So what, like, what were some of the first things that you, you were writing about? Well, the first thing was, is that I started going to Amazon and just kind of looking at Amazon and saying, all right, what is it that people were searching for? Right. Here's a great example of something that it was a project I almost did. And I never actually followed through on just at the time. But there was a time period where everybody was talking about Evernote, right? It's this tool that would help people to collect their information. And there were a lot of books coming out on it. Now, I had had a unique experience with Evernote and kind of a way of laying it out and using it. The problem was is that there was no way a writer like me could get my my way or use of, of Evernote in front of readers. However, though, I started doing my research and I found out that there were a lot of people typing into Amazon at the time, things like Evernote for students, Evernote for writers, Evernote for project managers. And through that, it would have given me an ability to get my writing in front of those people so long as I could write it to fit their need. So again, like when you start looking at it, you can find these wonderful opportunities to fill a true niche or to fill a true desire by the market just by understanding what they're looking for. How do you know what they're looking for? Well, one one way you can do this is you can go to Amazon itself and you can start typing in things into the search bar. And Amazon actually tries to guess what you're going to type next by knowing what people have typed in the past. Another thing that you can do, too, is that you can look at some of the books that are out there, especially if you start to see that it's very topical or it's you know very niched. Uh, and you can take their Amazon bestseller rank, which is a number that Amazon gives uh, with the number one bestselling book in all of Amazon being number one and the worst selling book being seven plus million, whatever it is today. And um, you can put it into a calculator we created. Just go to Google and type Kindle calculator and it should pop up and it will convert that Amazon bestseller rank into how many books that day the person sold. So now you can actually start to see what's really popular and what people are actually looking for and buying. Another way that you can go about it, too, is just kind of reading the reviews. I've seen a couple of books where people write in the review like, oh, my gosh, it's been such a long time since somebody addressed this thing that I've been looking for. And these can give you opportunities to understand what it is that people are are actually going to Amazon for. So I'm at Kindle Calc- so I'm at Kindlepreneur.com right now. I typed in Kindle Calculator in Google, and I see it's very simple. All I have to do is fill out this form with the bestseller rank, and that's publicly available. If you go to Amazon and go to any book, you scroll down, there's a lot of information related to the publisher, the published date. One of those numbers is the bestseller rank. So if I were to type in you know, 5,000, and I click here, it says 
a person who's ranked 5,000 is selling about 34 books per day. And how do I use this information? What like what numbers are good and 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 should I be only looking at certain books with a certain ranking? Tell me tell me some more info on how to use this calculator. Well, to be very general, I, I think uh, an ABSR of a thousand or less is a good indication. That means that the person's probably selling at least one book per day. Okay. Now that may sound like very small, one book per day. It's like nobody's going to get rich off of that, but that does give you an understanding of where there's an existing market where a lot of people run into issues is they have this great book idea and they're like, they just, they, they spend all this time writing it and they, you know, they, they pay money for editing and book covers and all this and they throw it up there only to find out that people aren't actively going to Amazon and looking for that sort of book. Instead though, this isn't about changing what you're going to write, but instead you can use some of the information to find where your book best fits in the existing market. And so you can start to look and you can see through the Amazon bestseller rank what's really popular, what's not, um, ways that you can maybe, you know, pivot a bit on your book to get it in front of those shoppers. Mm -hmm. And by the way, for any of the listeners out there, if you're saying, well, you know, I have this great story and maybe people aren't looking for it, that doesn't mean that you can't write that book and that you can't sell it. It just means that with the research that we just talked about, if you go to Amazon and you post it on Amazon, you can't depend on Amazon to sell it for you. Right, right. But Amazon can obviously be a huge sort of support system for the book that you have. And this is something that I have never really paid attention to. I mean, I'm blessed to have an amazing audience and, and fans who will buy my books and not everybody has that. And But but even then, I know that I could and anybody could be use, using and utilizing Amazon to reach even more people and ultimately serve more people, which is our goal here. What other things can we do in preparation for our book using Amazon to help us with research to better define sort of what our book will be and, and ultimately sell more? Well, another thing you can do too, though, is that if you do identify who your target market is, right, you know who you're trying to uh, fix a certain problem or you're trying, you know who you want to entertain to, you can also go to certain Facebook groups, uh, forums, and start asking them to talk about it. I was once working with a veteran who was working on a book on PTSD. And this was a very important subject matter, um, you know, definitely deep to my core. The thing was, was that the imagery that he first used in his book cover didn't reflect what a lot of the veterans were feeling. And so going to some of these Facebook groups and talking with them, he was able to find the right imagery as well as the right words that those veterans used when they described, you know, the pain they were going through and what they wanted to solve. So not just on Amazon, but you can also turn to other sources to be able to get a good idea of how to best connect with your target market. I see. And so you had mentioned the cover, and obviously that's very important. Very similar to podcasts, right? It's the cover for your podcast. That's the first thing people see before they hear anything. People will see the cover of your book before they read anything. Any other tips related to the cover? I love the idea of going into Facebook groups and, you know, discussing with those people in those groups about, you know, what imagery would relate to them. Uh, any research on existing books out there? And like, I always have the question, okay, I see all these books in the same category I want to be in. Do I match them or do I try to be different? I mean, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, the best practices there. Well, one good thing I like to tell people about is that uh, when you've identified the target keywords or the things that best describe your book, you then use that to make sure that it's very fitting for your cover. To understand this better, let's look at like the process of a shopper on Amazon. Most people will go to Amazon, they go to the search bar, they type in whatever it is on their mind that they're looking for and hit search. And then Amazon tries to figure out which books to present to them. Now imagine this. Um, let's do a fiction example since we've been kind of solely nonfiction. Sure. If say so, for example, there are a lot of people that type in Victorian second chance romance, right? Which people really do. Um, if your book cover doesn't personify that phrase, then even though you may get in front of those shoppers, they're not going to click on your book. It doesn't fit the feeling. Same thing with something like Space Marine Alien Horde, which, no kidding, people type that in. Um, if they don't see uh, what looks like a Space Marine on a spire, you know, shooting down at a whole bunch of alien bugs, you know, crawling up, it's not going to fit what they were looking for, and they'll select the next book that does represent that. So understanding the words that your market types into Amazon not only helps you to get in front of more shoppers, but it helps you to better design a cover that fits their, what they're looking for. It also helps you to create a book description that really grabs their attention because it's 
pretty much using their words and makes them feel like, ah, yes, this is the kind of book I'm looking for. We can turn that on its head and go over to nonfiction. And in nonfiction, it's really about pain points. It's about, you know, solutions. And more importantly, you know, how they feel uh, from the solution they get. So, you know, it's not about just the problem of how to quit smoking. It's about, you know, getting back your freedom and, and rejoining the groups, you know, because you were able to quit. These are things that you need to incorporate. So if I'm dealing with this problem and I see a cover that shows, you know, someone who's broken the cigarette and going to a group of people, this will make me feel like this is the right book for me. Mm -hmm. How do you know what people are typing in? You had mentioned the autofill in Amazon, which obviously are based on other people's searches. But what if you don't even know some of those keywords to start with? Are there any other tools or tricks that we can use to know what those words are so that we can use them as keywords for our book? Yeah, the first thing you can do, like we said, is talk about the auto auto fill in from Amazon. That can be a great indicator. Okay. Uh, one of the things that I did create was software called Publisher Rocket, um, PublisherRocket.com. And in this case, it goes even further and pulls even more keywords and phrases that people use, as well as gives you an understanding of how many people per month type that into Amazon. It even can tell you how competitive that term is, you know, rank for. Not only identifying keywords, uh, can be a really important part for you to create a better book for an existing market, but also getting it in front of people is that next step. Ranking on Amazon uh, can really help you to get more sales. One statistic that we did at Kindlepreneur was we tried to figure out, you know, how many people actually click on books based off of where they rank. So what we found was that if you rank number one for a keyword in Amazon, 27% of the people that type in that keyword will actually click on your book. But if you rank number two, then it drops down quickly to 11% and then nine, eight, seven, six, six. So as you can see, being not only identifying a good word where people are typing it in, but then ranking near the top is just as important. And so right there in the software, we give all that information. In terms of ranking close to the top, is that, I know keywords are a part of it, but what else are factors involved in rankings on Amazon? Well, okay, so I usually, when I, when I talk about this, I'll break down three things. So one's identifying the right keywords you want. Then the second step is getting Amazon to say, yep, this book should show up for it. And the third is improving your rankings. So we talked about how you identify the right keywords. But the second thing is how do you get Amazon to index it? The first thing you can do is that when you go to publish your book, Amazon just asks you, hey, what are seven Kindle keyword phrases that you know we can use to index you? That's one great way. The second thing, too, is, is that Amazon also takes into effect the words that you have in your title and subtitle. This is much easier for nonfiction. You should have a subtitle that is using you know, the words of your market inside of it. Uh, also, the things that you put in like your book description, as well as what people write in, in the reviews, help Amazon to figure, ah, oh, this book should show up for these things. So that's the indexing. And finally is ranking. One of the best ways to increase your rankings is when people type in that keyword, if they see your book and select it and purchase it, this is like the best indication to Amazon that your book should, should be near the top. Here's something I tell a lot of authors. And by the way, this, is, this will help authors to get discovered, but this is not a hack, okay? When you go to publish your book, if you've identified the right keywords that truly fit your book, and you know somebody's going to go buy your book, what I would recommend is just telling them, hey, thank you so much. I'm so glad you're going to buy my book. Just go to Amazon.com, type in whatever that keyword is, find my book, and pick it up there. This will drive you right up to the top. But here's why it's not a hack, and it's not going to ruin Amazon. This gives you an opportunity to be seen, okay? But if your book truly doesn't fit for that keyword, when other people type that into Amazon and they instead don't click your book but click the second or third or fourth, you'll naturally drop down to where you probably should be. So use that tip as a way to get above the fold and really give your book a chance and Amazon will take care of the rest. I love that. Okay, so if I publish a new book, which I am, many people who are listening to this know that I have a book called Superfans coming out in August, which is really exciting. Don't just send them directly I mean, yes, I'll have links to the book directly, obviously, but if there's an opportunity to have somebody maybe work a little extra hard to go and find the book to help support it in, in such a way like you described, 
it wouldn't be letting them know to go to the search bar and type in superfans. It would be go to the search bar and type in whatever relevant keywords would be related to this book, how to grow how to grow your business or something like that, uh, and then find it from there. Wouldn't like th- they would potentially have to scroll a long way to find that, right? For the first couple of people, maybe, but it's funny because the truth is there are a lot of books that make sales because of the target keyword. Those are going to be at the top, but then there are books under that that haven't made sales from the keyword at all. And so from the first person that finds your book, it will probably jump right to where that spot is where, you know, it's going to be above the books that haven't sold and it'll be right below all the other books. So the first person might have to scroll for a bit and might have to go to page two, three, or four or something, but then the next person will probably find it at the bottom of page one, and then the next person will probably find it at the middle. It really depends on the competitiveness mm-hmm. of that keyword, mm-hmm. but again, for new authors, this is a great opportunity as well to be able to give your book that chance, and um, if you've done what we've talked about already in this episode, which is you know making sure that your cover truly represents what that target market wants, that you're using the words you know in your description as well as in subtitle to really make them feel, yes, this is it, this is addressing my problem, then you will find that you naturally do get the clicks so that when you get up to the top, that next person that's never heard of you that's really looking for their next solution, they're going to see your book and yours will get the click and yours will get the sale. And then you will stay up at the top and you'll benefit from that traffic. And like you said, as long as it uh, fulfills that promise that the book is offering, then it'll have that click-through rate and people will uh, continue to see that book up there. It's, it's when you don't do that, yes, you might get a little boost from your people, but then it'll kind of fall naturally back to where it should be. So th- this is this is great. I didn't realize that Amazon worked in this way. I mean, there's, I know, a billion points that they look at, right? But click-through rate, I didn't know is as important. I know it's important for Google. If your search result is close to the top and people don't click it, then eventually it'll kind of drop, which is why the title of your blog posts are important in the description of your blog post. And I would imagine very similarly, the cover, the title, and the subtitle uh, just as important for your Kindle book too. So that that's that's an awesome realization. You would also mention that the reviews are something that can help with ranking as well uh, in terms of the words that are used there. Does the quantity of reviews play a role in, in the rankings as well? Recent quantity, yes. So one thing that's really important for Amazon and just kind of take a step back is really when you look at ranking, it's really about what makes Amazon more money, right? If you are the book that seems to sell best for this keyword, then obviously you should get that top real estate at the top, right? Mm-hmm. You should benefit from it. It helps make Amazon as well as the author more money. The next part to that, though, is Amazon also wants to make sure that people are happy. Let's face it. If Amazon continues to sell really bad stuff, people aren't going to come back to it. So what Amazon wants to know is that are people happy with the purchase they have, which is why the review can play a big part in your rankings as well. It also plays a big part on whether or not people decide to buy you. If your book has only one star and the book under it has five stars and, you know, great grade, guess who's going to win? right? They're probably going to choose the other because it's like social proof. But another really cool thing that just happened, I would say about six months ago, Amazon started doing this really cool thing that if you scroll down to the bottom of the Amazon sales page and you look at the reviews, just above that are these little word density clouds. These are words that Amazon has identified inside of reviews. Like I say, hey, you know, when people are talking about this one book, they keep using this phrase like uh, mage, or, you know, um, quit smoking or, and it's, it's really cool because they're not putting the a is they're finding genre specific or niche specific terms that reviewers are actually using when talking about the book. I believe that this is a very clear indication that Amazon is is seeing and counting what the reviewers have to say and that they're showing this to other reviewers as well. And I think they're also using it in their indexing slash ranking decision yeah i'm reading mine for will it fly now i didn't even notice that tag cloud was there it says um starting a business step by step thanks pat (laughs) passive income thinking about starting time and money so these are all relevant things uh highly recommended is in there too by the way must read uh so that's good that those are good signs for will it fly and wow i mean what a what a great way to even do research on other books in i imagine the space that that you might be uh putting a book into to see well, what are people talking about? What are people describing 
it's kind of a fun way to to scour the uh, reviews really quickly like that. Thanks for sharing that. That's really awesome. I didn't even know that existed. Well, you know, Amazon's actually getting more and more interested in the words that best describe books. And we can tell because, like I said, six months ago they did that. But another really cool thing that I think they did just this month is that if you go to look at the categories, okay, especially in fiction, if you look on the left side, they have kind of a breakdown of more information. Say, for example, you're looking at like children's books. There's actually a filter now where you can select certain award-winning uh, names like the, um, the, what is it, the Caldecott? and you know others and so once you select that they'll show you those but again that's only going to be for children's books they also have words and phrases as well as ways to describe things so if you're a romance you might find a whole bunch of romance specific very genre specific terms in there that will also give you an understanding that amazon thinks those words are so important that they actually added it as a filter on the left side so i we're starting to see amazon really care about the best way shoppers search for their books and they're giving us more and more opportunities as shoppers as well as authors to understand the market even better lovely going back to reviews i know it's a popular tactic to recruit a team before a book launch which i still recommend it's great to get people behind you to offer the manuscript ahead of time we've had podcast episodes with a number of people in the past from Jeff Goins to Daniel Decker to, to talk about, okay, the importance of a launch team. And so in exchange for getting people into a launch team and offering the manuscript and providing value to them, often you can get a whole load of people giving you a, a review on day one. I don't know what the best strategy is. I sometimes hear the other side of it, which is, isn't it kind of fishy to have you know 100 reviews on the first day? Like, Should they be spaced out? Any thoughts from your expert view on reviews and velocity, especially immediately after a launch? Well, I, I, I wouldn't judge any, any review, whether it's one month later or all condensed together. Um, one thing that we as authors, though, kind of run into, we know the system. We kind of know what's going on. But remember, though, the shopper is not as in tune to things, okay? Like um, my grandmother, right, uh, mm -hmm. she, she goes shopping and she looks for her book, uh, Muzzy, she's this cute little old lady. I love her. And she just looks at stars and she clicks on that. And she buys it. But she's not going to look and say, oh, well, you know, Jeepers, that that book had 100 reviews in, in the past two days. This is wrong. Uh, she doesn't go as in detail. And I would say that a majority of, of Amazon shoppers don't think to go through and look at how many reviews came in, how quick and, you know, uh, let me look at the individual profiles of, of, of shoppers and see what else they bought. I, I think they just look at how many reviews does it have? What grade does it have? Their social proof. I feel good about this because other people feel good about it. I'm going to make the purchase. And that's just how people do. So if you have that team, I would say that the best thing is, is that, you know, just helping them uh, to know when the book launches and to let them understand, too, why it's important. OK, that's that's a really important aspect. Like I said before, authors know the importance of a review, but readers and people out there, they don't understand that. So one thing I try to do is that when I'm trying to, you know, have the team and, and get the momentum is, is just reminding them of how important that review is. You know, just be honest. Absolutely. And uh, I just really appreciate what you're doing. And this really means a lot. I mean, how would you specifically phrase that to an audience to help get more reviews? I mean, what kinds of things would you say? I mean, is it just, hey, thanks for supporting, please help kind of thing? Or, or like, are there any other benefits that we could include in, in our messaging there? Well, one way to go about it, and, and this is also something you can use at the back of the book as well, okay, um, is that remind them, you know, that you're an author, that you've been working on this, and that let them know about the importance of reviews, not just for the book itself, but also for you, because you're going to read those and you really care about what they have to say. That yeah. does a couple of things. Number one, it reminds people that you're human. <laughs> that sounds ridiculous to say. But remember, when somebody who doesn't know who you are picks up your book for the first time and they're reading it, they, they might not have remembered your name. They might not even know who you are. They just read the story. Mm -hmm. Right at the end, you're reminding them who you are, that you care, that this is an art. And this will give them more of a reason to leave a review. And the truth is they're reminded that you're human, so it might be an even better review than it would have. Maybe they were thinking, ah, oh, this is a two star and well, okay, maybe a three star. Uh, or they were gonna give it a four and be like, you know what? 
nah, this honestly, it was pretty good. I'm going to go with a five. But that tactic right there, especially at the end of the book, will help you to increase the number of reviews you get as well as the grade you get. And that same thing can be used in the email. Just to remind people, you know, how much that means and that you're going to read them because you care. I love that. So email is important and you know, I, I think that uh, a lot of people have many different creative ways to collect email from a book. And, and for nonfiction, it maybe is a little bit easier because we have other bonuses that we can include. I included a companion course for Will It Fly. I'm doing the same thing uh, for super fans uh, for both fiction and nonfiction. Any, any good suggestions on collecting those emails? Because unfortunately, Amazon doesn't give us those emails. And so we have to work hard to collect those so that we can communicate with our audience, just like you said. So any best strategies or practices for that uh, from your point of view? With nonfiction, I 100% recommend uh, you sitting down and thinking, what can I provide that adds to the book? Okay, Mm -hmm. not something random, but like what would be a good companion with a book where it's like, I need this. It doesn't, it's not something necessarily that means I can't read this and get all the way through without it, but it's something like I'm going to lose out on value if I don't have it. You did an amazing job with that follow on course that you had with Will It Fly. Thank you. It, it was just, it was obvious that this is, I, I should sign up for this so that I can get even more out of this purchase I made. So nonfiction is pretty easy in that you should start looking at how you can increase the value. Now, fiction, on the other hand, I've got a really cool tactic that I love. I'm actually using this with Orson Scott Card. Um, him and I are working together on an upcoming self-published book of his. No um, way. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, I know. Congrats, I'm such man. a diehard fan. Um, so it's, it's yeah, he's, he's a really nice guy, too. But anyways, I call this the Kobayashi Maru tactic, okay? Um, for all the Star Trek fans out there, right, we had... And for those who don't, let me explain it. But the Kobayashi Maru was a test and it was something really big about, you know, Captain Kirk, where if, you know, like it defined his character to find why he operated the way he did. Now, we didn't need to see the Kobayashi Maru test, right? We just needed to know the characters kept talking about it. And it was this lore sort of. Finally, in one of the recent movies, we got to see the Kobayashi Maru as how it happened. And it was neat. Here's the thing. This is why this is a great email sign up. When people buy a fiction book, there's a really good chance they're not a fan of you yet. They just found your book through your ads or through your keywords or whatever. They picked it up. And if they got to the end, it means they like your story. It does not mean they like you. A mistake many authors make is that they just offer up another story, some random story of theirs. You know, here, sign up to get my next story. That won't convert because people don't care. It's not a mean statement. They just don't care about you yet. Instead, though, offer them something that's still a part of that story. More importantly, use the Kobayashi Maru tactic. I say when you're writing that fiction book, okay, start to either do one of two things. Have a, you know, a prequel in mind, a short story prequel, or build up some kind of lore, some kind of like story, background story that people keep bringing up. And then at the end of the book, say to your fans, hey, Would you like to know about, you know, such and such? Would you like to hear the story of the Kobayashi Maru and what actually happened to Kirk? Check it out here. Mm. A couple of examples of what we've seen is, uh, for example, a romance book. These characters kept talking about, you know, this one uh, Mr. X date that just went horribly wrong. They never said what happened. They never said who Mr. X was, but they just kept bringing it up as kind of a laugh, like, oh, well, let's hope it's not another Mr. X event. And they're like, yeah, no kidding. It's like, it took me about a year to date another man after that. And so everybody's like, okay, okay. It doesn't detract from the story. But then at the end, it's like, would you like to read the story of Mr. X date? All of a sudden, the sign up rates went four times greater just because people wanted to know. Curiosity is a beautiful thing. And now, they fell in love with the main story. They get a little bit more of the story. They've read your stuff twice. And now they're on your email list and you have an opportunity to build that connection with them one handshake at a time and build up the point where they remember your name and they become a fan of your work. That's really cool. Would you bake in that extra thing into the end of the book as sort of a, hey, now that you finish this, if you're interested in this, go here and is that just a landing page? Yeah. So at the end of the book, um, the next like the la- the next page after the end is I'll put in there the um, thank you. I hope you enjoy this book. If you would like to 
hear about the tale of Mr. X, you know, click here and it will be a, a, a short link. It's usually the best idea, a short link that will point to a page where they can sign up to get said book. I definitely recommend making sure it's always a short link and any links you put in there is a short link for two reasons. Number one is that sometimes you may have to change that landing page and it's so much easier to change where that short link points to than having to reformat your book and upload a new book. Mm -hmm. Number two is that some books, like for example, if you do a print book, people can't just click the link there, okay? They have to actually go and type it. So make it short and easy for them. Perfect, thank you for that. Now, I remember from my experience getting on Kindle for the first time back in 2013 with my book, Let Go, there were a lot of things that I just didn't even know I would have had to make a, deci make a decision on. And I would imagine for a lot of, especially new authors today, it's the same thing. You go and put your book uh, onto Kindle, and they ask you things like, do you wanna participate in Kindle Select? How would you describe to somebody what that means? Is that important? Um, how do we know what to say yes to, what to say no to when we're in that upload process? That's a really, really good question. Kindle Select is a great program where you sort of get a lot of benefits if you select it, okay? What happens, though, is if you put your book on Kindle Select, it means you can't sell it anywhere else. You can't sell it on iTunes, Kobo, Bones & Noble, none of those. Now, that may sound like a terrible raw deal, but if you talk to most authors that actually sell on all markets, it's a very small percentage of their sales are on iTunes and Barnes and & Noble and Kobo. Matter of fact, I think mine, and I work really hard in the international markets, um, mine only sell 25% outside of Amazon, and I'm pretty sure that's a really high number compared to most. Sounds most high, people yeah. see something like 10 to 5%, okay? So you're not really losing much. But here's a couple of reasons why it works. Number one is, is that if you are on Kindle Select and I'm a shopper and I see your book and another book and yours is Kindle Select, I'm gonna choose yours because if I'm a Kindle Select participant, I get it for free, right? Whereas I'd have to pay extra money to buy the non-Kindle Select book. But the author so still what, gets paid. That's right. They get paid through the um, Kindle Pages uh, program where basically they have a, a set giant pool and for how many pages of your book are read, you get paid a certain number. So you still get paid. But again, look at the customer's perspective, right? Are you going to, if you're a part of the Kindle program, are you going to pay extra money for that book when you're undecided? The answer is no. You're going to take that Kindle Select book because to the shopper, it's free. Now, what Amazon's algorithm sees is that, well, Every time somebody types in this keyword, they choose this one and not that one. So a lot of Kindle Select authors actually see their, their sales, their rankings all improve because they selected it. So that can be one thing that really helps an author. Uh, the other thing, too, is, is that they have programs where you can actually set your book for free uh, for a certain period of time every 90 days. A lot of authors may be saying, why would, I, why would I want to make that free? Like, that's terrible. But it can give you an opportunity to, you know, say two months after your launch, be able to put it out there and build up momentum again. Also, it can be an opportunity where, you know, to those who are on your email list, hey, you can pick it up for free, you know, check it out. And it's an opportunity for them to leave a verified review. Mm. You can work this into a strategy that helps to keep your book relevant and keep new reviews coming in and Amazon seeing it consistently getting clicked and downloaded. Uh, so it gives you a great opportunity. But here's the other thing too, though. You'll, you'll, you'll talk to a lot of authors and they'll be like, I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket. I want to have other markets. And that's cool. If you decide to do that though, my number one recommendation to any author is spend time in those other markets then. We as authors are like, oh, Amazon, Amazon reviews, Amazon this, Amazon that. The authors that take time to get a couple of reviews in Barnes & Noble and a couple of reviews in iTunes actually see greater return on their time investment. It's funny. It's like it may take you 20 reviews or so to, to beat out a competitor you know, on Amazon. It might just take you two reviews on iTunes because nobody else got a review. So if you choose to go wide, spend time. Do a little marketing and a little effort in those other markets, and you'll see more than the 5% that most see. Mm-hmm. When it comes to Kindle Select and only having the book available on Amazon and not elsewhere, does that pertain to just eBooks or is that if I'm also selling a physical copy? Uh, like, for example, Superfans. Superfans will have physical copies available at Barnes & Noble uh, if, if, if everything go, all goes well. Um, does that mean I cannot select 
Amazon Select for the ebook. If the ebook is the only thing that's being sold on, on or if our ebook, there's, it's only being sold on Amazon. If you select your book for your ebook for Kindle Select or Kindle Unlimited, you cannot have a digital version of your book somewhere else. Okay. That aspect's really important because most people are like, cool, yeah, I'm just going to sell the ebook on Amazon. I'm fine. But here's where people get into trouble. They might have like on their website, hey, you know, um, sign up and I'll send you my book for free. If you do that, guess what? You just violated because that's a digital version of your book. Another thing that can be really tricky is that if you decide, hey, I'm going to take the first chapter of my book and I'm going to make it a blog post so as to generate interest, that's another digital version of your book. And crazy enough, Amazon really crawls and looks for, you know, copyright infringements or, you know, anything on the Internet that's another version of your book. And they will they'll see it and they will come after you and they will either disenroll you or even remove your book from Amazon for the violation. So if you do select uh, Kindle Select or Kindle Unlimited, understand that you cannot have any portion of your book digitally anywhere else. But I could still have the physical copy sold elsewhere. That's correct. But then you have to worry about, because I remember we talked about this before too, is like, let's say I have a physical copy on Barnes & Noble, but you could go online, find the physical copy available there, but then it has like a preview of the first chapter. That That's another digital version that could be found if somebody can download a digital version uh, it becomes a problem and so authors need to just understand most of the time and by the i want to put one thing in there too um when it comes to like piracy right that can sometimes be a bit of a problem but most of the time there are websites that claim to have authors books and they really don't so for all the authors listening don't go to don't go to google and type in your book and then flip out when somebody's claiming to have it but do understand that there are authors that have run into problems where there are digital pirates ripping off their book, giving away for free, and causing them to actually violate their Kindle Unlimited or Kindle Select. So That's ridiculous. Oh my Just gosh. a couple of things for people to keep in mind. If you do select it, do not have a digital version of your book, part of your book, anywhere set. Can you fight that if somebody were to do that to you? If Well, there are definitely ways to fight ebook piracy. And uh, you can definitely do that. Uh, if you type into Google, I think our article should show up, number one, showing every step you can take to fight it and also when not to fight it and just let it be. But another thing is that when Amazon does say, hey, you violated this, you can respond back. Just understand, as most authors will tell you, Amazon just is copy and paste responses. But I've heard of a couple of authors take care of situation by pointing out that this was an illegal copy on the Internet and Amazon's backed off. Okay, so they, they will eventually, hopefully, listen. Eventually, yes. Cool, that, that's really good information. In addition to the sort of 90-day period or, or, or you know things that you can do after the launch of your book to keep it out there, you know, and, and I think that's great, too, because especially for nonfiction authors who know that a book is going to lead to more opportunities, such as perhaps online course sales or coaching or speaking opportunities, you know, it's worth having your book be free, especially on Kindle. Uh, it's just an ebook and uh, getting more, getting yourself more out there so that you can have those other backend opportunities. I think that's really smart. What other post-launch opportunities are there to help us market our book and get it into more people's hands? My favorite is Amazon ads. So Amazon about a couple years ago, created their own ad system. It used to be called AMS, and then they changed it again. Uh, so if you see that term, that's what they're referring to. Mm -hmm. But this is sort of one of those where you say, hey, Amazon, I really want my book to show up for these words. I want these kind of readers to see it when they pick up their, their Kindle and they're ready to read. Um, I want my book to show up in front of this book. These sorts of things you can actually control. And Amazon, you set in a bid, like I'm willing to pay this much for every click. And then Amazon gets to work to get your book in front of those. What I love most about the system is a couple of things. Number one is that we talked about those conversions, right? And your rankings. What a lot of Amazon ads people find is that when their ads are doing well, their book starts selling naturally in other places better. That's because Amazon sees conversions like, oh, this is cool. Hey, let's put in these other keywords. Let's put it showing up for these other things. Mm -hmm. So it can help to revive a book as well as keep it thriving and relevant in the market. Another thing that I really like about Amazon ads uh, over other ad system 
is that like with Facebook ads, you have to convince somebody who's maybe watching, you know, a cat video or checking out on Aunt Selma or whatever to stop what they're doing, go over to Amazon, not only decide to buy right now, but then to buy your book. This can be really, really difficult because that's a lot of things you got to convince them to do right then and there. What's cool with Amazon ads, though, is that you're getting in front of people who've already decided that they want a book and they're ready to buy. They're just looking for their next pick. So this can be a great system. It helps benefit all your sales as well as reaching a market that wants to buy instead of convincing them to buy. How do you get started with ads? Where where do you even begin? Well, I've actually got a full free course uh, that can help any author. It's just go to amscourse.com and uh, right there it will give you everything you need to know about Amazon ads, what they've changed, um, and ways to get started so you can start getting your book in front. And I highly recommend Amazon ads being a part of your marketing campaign, not just from the launch, but to continuously do it so that your book stays relevant and you can see it making sales months, if not years down the road. How much would you recommend a person at the launch of their book to allocate budget-wise for Amazon ads and, and what might one expect from that in return? Well, I think that's really... Uh, dependent on the author themselves as well as the niche they pick. If you're in fiction and you're writing romance, you're gonna have you should probably have a bigger budget than say if you're writing a book on Evernote for authors. Um, the other thing that you're gonna run into is how, you know, like how can you convince Amazon to show your book more? Evernote for authors, you're gonna find your there's a limited amount of things that you can really target. But if you're in like Victorian second chance romance, I mean, you could you could target second chance romance, Victorian romance, you know, all these much larger terms that can be broken down. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot more opportunity in, in some of those books. However, though, the beautiful thing about Amazon is it's not like Facebook, where if you say, hey, Facebook, spend ten dollars a day, Facebook will spend it. Uh, Amazon's actually more of the line of, hey, OK, <laughs> $10, you know, per day, please, you know, and it's like a dollar, two dollars, three dollars. So there is a lot more room for forgiveness in case you mess that up or you forget about your campaign. But understand, you're going to have to work hard to get Amazon to show it. Yeah. And, I, and, and full disclosure, Dave has helped me with Will It Fly back in the day with getting it uh, on the ad platform on Amazon. And, and we did see a return from it. I mean, it was really interesting. And it did, it did seem like it was a, a process to figure that out. You had, you had, given me a little bit of homework related to some of the keywords and stuff like that. And and there's definitely a process there, but it seemed to work out and I'm definitely excited on how we might be able to continue sort of the exposure of super fans once it comes out right at the launch and beyond with ads to support that. And, and I'll definitely be going to you for more help with, with that stuff, Dave, cause you're, you're the expert there. What was the URL for the course one more time for people who are just interested in sort of giving that a shot? amscourse.com amscourse.com awesome uh what else are we missing here i know there's other things on amazon specifically that can help us promote our book for example frequently bought together you know people who bought this book also bought this one how do we if at all is there any way to sort of take advantage of that or 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 game not game that but you know hack that a little bit uh tricks that you have up your sleeve for that sort of thing actually i think um one way to answer this is kind of talk about our sales page, right? Our Amazon books sales page. There are a couple of things that authors can do to really help increase their conversion rate. And when we say conversion rate, right, you could do great keywords and you can have a great cover. That gets people to go from Amazon to your book sales page, right? You could do Amazon ads. And again, that's another method to bring people to your sales page. You could do your your launch team. You could do all these methods and that brings them there. But if your sales page stinks, let's face it, You're not going to see as much of a return on all of that effort. So some of the things you can do is making sure that you have a good looking book description, like really spend time and think about that thing. I used to not put as much stock into book descriptions. I'm not going to lie until I started doing Amazon ads and I could directly see that, hey, we showed your book, you know, this many times. This percentage of people clicked on your book and only this tiny, tiny percentage decide to buy your book. And when I was like, wow, okay, let me improve that book description. And when I did, all of a sudden I saw my conversion rates go up. Uh, Matter of fact, I worked on a book uh, called Battlefield Earth. And that particular book description uh, was horrendous. And so we went in and we updated and changed it. 
and immediately three times their conversion rate just from the one thing. So I highly recommend taking necessary time to not only write a great book description, but also format it as well. Uh, there's a, if you type into Google book formatting or Kindle book formatting, we have a free tool out there that will help authors to be able to just write in and then click buttons and make it look the way you would want. And when you're ready, just click get the code and then paste that into Amazon. Or if you know HTML, you can do that, but mm -hmm. it, it'll help you to make it look better. So there's your book description and don't neglect that. The second thing though, is also you can set up an author central account and through there you can create um, an editorial review section. You can do a lot more with your page and show legitimacy. If you have an editorial review section and you know people in the industry or you know veteran, like say for example, the Vic veteran example, get those people to write a comment and you know to say what that what they feel and by the way in the rules you can put anything in there it's not like the other reviews that people leave so if it's you know say for example i'm writing a book and i'm like hey pat i know we're friends um just wondering you know if you checked out the book and, oh yeah dave i did great um would you mind kind of giving me a review that i can post in the editorial review section yeah no problem put that in there those things are great to help convince people the legitimacy of the book and who's reading it, who cares about it. Okay. The next thing is we talked about reviews. We talked about some of the strategies you can do to increase the reviews. Uh, like for example, humanizing yourself at the end, uh, making sure that your email list or followers and things understand the importance and what that means to you and that you care to read them. Mm -hmm. Those things will increase what people say about your book and the quality and even the level of detail they put in the reviews which like we just talked about, are words that Amazon cares about. So that will help to index you more. Do you recommend, or is it even worthwhile to, and thank you for all that, the sales page is important. I mean, we've had, uh, you know, Brian Cohen on the show before too, and he's just the description wizard. He and really is. He is, and he's awesome. We'll link to that in the show notes too. But all these other parts too, on, on the reviews, this, this question came to mind. Are you allowed to, incentivize people to leave reviews in some way? No, you are not. And so reviews and the rules on reviews get really confusing. As a matter of fact, I created this YouTube video to explain everything because it's weird uh, how Amazon will say one thing but not another. You can, <laughs> to this day still, 100% give your book okay, for free and, and request a review. That is 100% okay. And their vice president of customer services, Mr. Chichu, actually came out and said, you can't do that for physical products, but Amazon still holds the time-old tradition of allowing publishing companies and, and authors to send their books for free in return for a review. However, though, where it gets into nuances is you can't say, hey, if you buy my book and you leave a review, I will give you the money for that book. You've just incentivized it. It's kind of the same as giving them the book for free and then, you know, uh, telling them to leave a review. However, though, they don't get the money until they leave the review. So you've incentivized them giving a review. Yeah, you're basically paying for reviews at that point. That's right. So it's okay to give your book and for them to leave a review, but you can't do things like here. Here's another trick I've seen a couple do that's like, eh, I don't think that'll work. Some people will do like, for example, a um a contest, okay? And to enter the contest, they say you have to leave a review. No, no, you can't you can't do that because now you've made it that they get something by leaving a review. But what you can do is that you can do a contest and say, "Hey, all you have to do is click this link and you're entered." And by the way, that link takes you to the book review page for my book. If you've read the book and you haven't left a review, please go ahead and do that. But do understand that you're still entered just because you clicked the link. So it's not required to leave, but you're kind of, quote, forcing them to see the page at least. And since they're there, hopefully they would fill it out. By the letter of the law, you are now compliant. And that actually is a good opportunity so long as you're open and honest about it. Hey, I'm sending you to that page. And if you haven't left a review, that would be awesome. And if not, well, you know, no problem. Enjoy. You're still in the contest. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's so weird. Uh, when you offer your book for free to somebody, and they happen to leave a review after you've honestly told them why it's great and how helpful it would be, and 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 they feel compelled to do that without being paid to do it, 
do they have to disclose that they received the book for free? Yes. If you sent them a copy of the book, then they, by Amazon, are required to say that they got a, re- a book in return for a review. However, though, say, for example, you use Kindle Select, you know, that we talked about, mm-hmm. and it was during a free period, and you let your people know, hey, the book is free right now. You can go get it. Um, and if you do and you like it, you know, or whatever, please leave a review. That's not that. They don't have to say, I got the book for free because you didn't send it to them. Amazon made it free for them. It was purchased, quote, purchased or or or, or delivered through Amazon. That's right. And so that's a little tiny nuance difference between the two. And going back to what you said earlier, doing it in that sort of promotion with the free promotion through Kindle Select, that then enables those comments and reviews to be verified purchased comments which are are they weighed more i know they look different with a little like check mark or something so they are a little bit more legitimate to the potential customer but are they are they weighed more as well in terms of the algorithm or yes so a verified review is amazon's ability to prove that this person did in fact have the book and therefore left a review therefore that review in amazon's mind is more legitimate than one where they can't prove that the person ever even read it, much less seen it. Right. So that definitely helps. So if you have had people who, you know, who want to leave a review, um, but say, for example, you sent them a PDF copy, you know, as, as say, for example, a pre-order or as just a heads up, it's coming out. If they haven't you know, left a verified review when it's free, that's an opportunity for them to download the book and then leave a review that's now seen as by Amazon as a verified review. Uh, thank you for all this, Dave. I have one more final topic that I want to discuss before we finish up here. This is super helpful for, for me and my team, and I know it's helpful for everybody else listening as well, and just thank you for your time today. Bad reviews, negative reviews. How might one best respond, or should they respond, or deal with it? How, like These things can eat up an author so terribly, and they, they have for me in the past, and luckily I've grown a little bit of a, a thick skin over the years to sort of be able to deflect those sorts of things. And uh, thankfully, you know, hopefully the quality of, of whatever it is that you're creating will be great enough such that, you know, there'll be more positive comments than negative comments. But we are very likely to receive negative comments and, and, and potentially even hateful and, and disrespectful comments as well. How might you recommend we authors best handle those as they come in? The first thing I would say is don't respond. Uh, it never... You know, a lot of people get really fired up and they want to write something as a comment or they want to, you know, bash this obviously heinous or wrong review. And that never does anything. Uh, Amazon's not going to say, oh, yeah, it it totally sounds like the person didn't read the book. Yeah, we'll get rid of it. Um, And authors may spend more time trying to, you know, damage the the review or, or get Amazon to change it when they can just be working on either their craft or their next book or their marketing efforts. However, though, I will say that sometimes a review, a bad review, can really help. You can read through and realize, oh, man, huh, that's a good point. Yeah, I probably should have covered that more. Oh, I might have been wrong there. If, if you're able to read the review from a, subject, you know, from, a, um, from a fact-finding perspective instead of subjectively, it can be a great opportunity for you to improve. But if you can't, one hack that I, I recommend is um, have a friend or your spouse or something read them for you and then have them condense them into something that's important. So, you know, if somebody is like, man, this guy's an idiot, I hate him, like you may just throw that one out. But then they say, because he did this, and if he had just not done that, maybe I could have gotten behind what he's saying. Your wife or your, your spouse can look at that and say, okay, we'll take out the hate, we'll take out the, stu- you know, the, the, the ridiculousness, and let me, let me let Dave see this part. You know, maybe even not make it so hateful. Just say, uh, recommend in the future that the person stop using this form or recommend the person get a better editor, (laughs) you know, something like that. And that will help you to grow and not, you know, lose time, sleep or energy over the hate that you might receive. What if the comment was, in fact, from a person who was obviously misunderstood and they're saying things that would completely deter somebody who is maybe on the fence of purchasing a book, would you not recommend responding then if if they were just blatantly wrong and and shouldn't we fight for our book if if it seems like somebody's trying to 
maybe even not even purposefully damage it, but it could be sort of a damaging review? Nine times out of ten, the answer is going to be no, but there will always be that one time where it might actually be a good opportunity to respond, uh, to try to help. And I, I think that's kind of my my go, no go question is, will my comment help? Mm-hmm. Like not not me, not my pride or not my you know anger over all this, but will it help that person or others? And if the answer is yes, then then absolutely. But if what you're doing, you know, is argumentative, you know, it's just best to step back and and just focus on what you're doing because it's always going to happen. You'll see something maddening, like somebody will say, I didn't even read this book. I don't even know what it's about, but, you know, I give it a one star. It's yeah. like, what? 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 Or like, oh, it came, the book came damaged and it's like not your fault. <laughs> right. You still get a one star. It's just that those I just leave be because I would hope that most people would see that and go. Oh, that's not a real review. Right, exactly. And what I've also found too is a lot of people, instead of reading the one star or the five stars, they usually like I mean, we're talking the the uh pro, you know, book readers out there, they like to look at the two star and the three star. Because to them, you know, one star and a five star is like glowing, super happy and or super hateful. But mm-hmm. the two, three, four is the person who's trying to you know, they thought about it. There's some good, some bad, and they find some of the best stuff there. And to tell you the truth, a lot of people will look at that one star where the person's just a hater and be like, okay, but let me read the two, three, and four and get something from that. Why did this person not give them a full five? Or why did this person not give them a full one? And sometimes even the two star, three star, four star can actually be a great thing to help you in sales. So I'd say nine times out of 10, it's best just not to answer. But if you if you know that your answer or your action can help others, then take that action. Video reviews, are those important? They can be. Um, for new authors, I really wouldn't stress over that. Uh, video review is just another way of showing legitimacy and that mm-hmm. people liked it so much that they took the time. Uh, however, though, with you, Pat, I would definitely say that's a great opportunity. I'm sure some of your incredible listeners out there will be like, easy, just grab the iPhone, record a video holding the book, you know, and pop that up there. And, and that definitely helps. But as a new author, I wouldn't go out of my way to try to push that. There's a lot of things you can do for book marketing. That's just a little bit of icing on the cake. Cool. Dude, this is tremendously helpful. Dave, thank you so much. And for anybody out there who wants to learn more about you and what you have going on and the things that you have to offer, where, where would you recommend they go? Just hit me up on Kindlepreneur.com. And I also tell people, too, that if anything that we talked about or there's questions or so, just go to my contact page, hit me up there. I still answer every one of those and be happy to help out as much as possible. Dude, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to uh, working with you still. Thanks, Dave. Absolutely. And again, it's great being here. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dave Chesson from Kindlepreneur.com. If you want to check him out and all the great things he has going on there, Kindlepreneur.com. That's where you go. And we discussed a lot of different strategies and a lot of different resources and links in previous episodes where we've talked about books with other people, other guests who are amazing as well. So all those links and resources for all your book writing needs will be available on the show notes page at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 378 smartpassiveincome.com slash session 378. If you enjoyed this episode, let me know on Instagram or Twitter at Pat Flynn. And if you want to tag Dave as well at Kindlepreneur, I'm sure he'd appreciate that. And again, Dave, thank you so much. I know you listen to the show. You're a big fan. I'm a big fan of you as well. Thanks for all the help. And I'll definitely be, if I haven't already, applying a lot of the strategies that you talked about into my upcoming book, Superfans, which as a reminder, you can all get it pre-order right now before August 13th and you get a bonus as well. You get the audiobook plus some other goodies. If you go to smartpassiveincome.com slash superfans, you'll get all the instructions there. And if you're listening to this after the fact, uh, you can still get the book Superfans at smartpassiveincome.com slash superfans. Thanks to everybody who's helped support that. Thank you to Dave who's helping me on the sort of behind the scenes stuff related to to that element of it. But of course, the actual writing process of the book, how the book is involved in the rest of the business environment plays a huge role in this as well. And so make sure you subscribe because next week we're going to talk with Azul Tarones, a book writing coach, and he and his, his partner just do amazing work with some top leaders, helping leaders write books to help support their leadership and, and get their message out there. We're going to talk with Azul because he's directly helped me sell more books and, and write Will It Fly, which went on to, as a self-published book, become a Wall Street Journal bestseller. We'll see what happens with Superfans. I have no idea how it's going to do. Hopefully, you'd consider you know three years worth of audience growth since 
will it fly. Hopefully, super fans will do even better. But no matter what, all that matters is it gets in your hands and you read it and you apply it to your business. So number one, make sure you subscribe to the show to, to, to not miss that episode with Azul next week. Number two, get superfans, smartpassiveincome.com slash superfans. I appreciate you. Cheers. Take care. You're amazing. Love you so much. Hashtag Team Flynn for the win. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure and it always finds a bright side. I really love it and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.